I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of 90 Min Football Network. A rather impromptu edition today. I wasn't actually going to do a show until a little bit later on this evening, but I now have plans this evening, so I'm not going to be home. So I thought I'd better get something out for you guys. And I was kind of reluctant, I've got to say, to do this episode at this time, because there's a part of me that thinks, what if I do this and midway through it, or literally straight after it, Arsenal make the Jesus announcement. And a lot of people have been asking me today, when do I think that the announcement is going to come? I've got to be honest. Um, I don't know, to be sure. You know, I'm not certain, but I would guess that it will probably come tomorrow now because we heard earlier today that Gabriel Jesus arrived at a facility to to have his medical with the club. We've all seen those pictures doing the rounds of him receiving a very, very warm embrace from Edu as he got out of the car. I mean, Edu barely let him get out of the car before he jumped in to give him a big fat hug. Um, And then we heard around about lunchtime, just after lunchtime, or depending on what time you class as lunchtime, that the medical had been completed, everything was all good, and that Gabriel Jesus was heading off to London Colney to, first of all, meet some of his teammates, because there are a number of players back in training, of course, as we spoke about yesterday. But also, uh, we heard that he was going to do his media duty. So that'll be all the pictures, that'll be any interviews that Arsenal put out during the the announcement uh, sort of process, etc., etc. So, I don't know if Arsenal are going to get all of that wrapped up, edited and ready to go by this evening. They might. Who knows? Um, You know, maybe they'll drop it a little bit later on. I don't know. But as I say, if I had to guess, I'd say that the announcement is probably coming tomorrow. But don't quote me on that because I could well be wrong. Look, the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned, Um, if I'm being completely honest. I just want this one. I know it's done, but I just want it announced. I just want it wrapped up. I just want it finished so that we can... Stop talking about Gabriel Jesus, at least for the time being, and focus all of our attention on the other potential incomings that are going to be just as important if Arsenal are going to improve as a side and really push forward next season. I don't know really what else to say about Jesus that we haven't already said over the last few weeks. You know, we've been heavily linked with the player for a while. We can all agree that it's going to be a good sign in, a very positive addition to the team. I have seen um, a lot of stuff on social media that's kind of irritated me over the last 24, 48 hours. Ever since we heard that the fee had been agreed, I've seen a lot of non-Arsenal fans move to try and discredit the signing. I keep getting asked this same question on whatever bit of media I do. Is Gabriel Jesus the man to lead the line for Arsenal? Will he score enough goals for Arsenal? And I keep coming back to the same point because I think if you watch Arsenal week in, week out. This is pretty obvious. I don't think that it's just about how many goals Gabriel Jesus scores in isolation. Of course, that's important. When you think about the fact that we managed to challenge for Champions League football right up until the death last season with a striker, for the most part, who only managed four in the Premier League all season, you can imagine what a difference having a striker that will get 10, 12, 15 goals in the Premier League would make. It's not just about Gabriel Jesus's outputs in terms of goals in isolation. It's about what he's going to bring 
to the team overall. It's about the fact that he is going to occupy centre-halves because of his undoubted talent, thus creating spaces for others. It's because he offers a threat in behind in the way that Alexander Lacazette never did, which makes defenders think twice about how to handle him. It's because his movement is so sophisticated. It's because of his ability to link up with the players around him that he has been brought to Arsenal Football Club. And the fact that he's going to score, I'd imagine, more goals than Alexander Lacazette managed last season says to me that we've upgraded. You know, and this day and age, I know a lot of people have said, £50 million pounds or £45 million, pounds, whatever it is, is a lot of money to spend on a player coming towards the end of his contract. Yeah, it probably is, technically speaking. But I guess when you're talking about a player like Gabby Jesus, who obviously had options this summer, but also could have potentially stayed at Manchester City for another season and walked away on a free next summer to go wherever he pleases, Arsenal had to do something to jump in at the front of the queue. We're not in the Champions League. There are much more competitive teams out there than us. So you have to do something to get these deals done. You have to do something to get them over the line. It's very similar to what we're trying to do with Rafinha. We know that Rafinha wants Barcelona, if that is possible. He's made no secret of that throughout the last 12 months or so. But the bottom line is that we have an opportunity because we have the backing and the support of the club at the moment to be able to go and put that money on the table now. And that could see us land Rafinha as a result of us being decisive and acting quickly. And will we have to pay a bit of a premium? Would we maybe have to pay 55, 60 million pounds? Maybe. Maybe that's too much in some people's eyes. But ultimately, if you really want something and there's competition, you have to go out there and you have to push. You have to make it happen. It's a bit like an auction. If there are other people interested, it drives the value up. It drives the price up. That's the way it works. And yes, you can say that £45 million for a player that is, as I say, uh, running down his contract. You know, sometimes you have to do these things to get ahead of the curve. And sometimes you have to do these things to get the player that you want. Not do a Spurs and go nine, ten places down the list because you're unwilling to go that extra mile for your preferred choices. You don't do that. That's not the way you build a strong, you know, very sort of capable unit. And that's not the way you build the team that Mikel Arteta needs to push on, to restore our Champions League status and get us back in that competition on a regular basis. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Really pleased by it. I think it's a great deal. I think it's a great sign-in. I'm really, really excited uh, to hear from Gabriel Jesus, which hopefully will happen in the not-too-distant future. And I'm really excited to see how this transfer works out. Um, but I'm, I am, as I say, I've been irritated by the way he's been discredited by some publications. There was a really good example of this um, earlier on. Let me just find it uh, so that I can read you exactly what it was. Uh, I think it was something from Sporth. Uh, I don't know if you follow them uh, on social media, on Twitter specifically, but let me just bring it up. Bear with me a second. Uh, hold on. Where is it? Here we go. So before signing for Arsenal, uh, this was on the 19th of January, 2022. They put a tweet out saying five years ago today, Gabriel Jesus officially completed his move to Manchester City. 
in that time, 219 games, 88 goals and 43 assists. Three Premier Leagues, one Emirates FA Cup and four Carabao Cups. And the bottom line is, what an incredible career he's had so far. Fast forward that to now, when Gabriel Jesus has signed for Arsenal. And their tweet is, Gabriel Jesus has never scored more than 14 goals in a Premier League season. Sums it up. It sums up the narrative that seems to follow Arsenal around. It sums up the fact that people have almost realised, and, and that's partly our fault because of the reactionary nature that we've shown at times. But the fact that publications are using things like this to goad Arsenal fans because they know it will bring traffic and they know, you know, it will get a rise out of us is is a, a telltale sign of, of how we've been labelled by the wider media. And it's really disappointing to see. And this stuff gets under my skin. And what gets under my skin more is um, is Arsenal fans that don't defend their player, Arsenal fans that don't look at the bigger picture, which is ultimately telling us that Gabriel Jesus hadn't played an awful lot of Premier League football, not from the start of games anyway, for that record to be taken as gospel or for that record to be the sole indicator of whether he'd be a good fit at Arsenal or not. Um, it annoys me that there are Arsenal fans out there that don't defend the player, don't defend the situation and refuse to acknowledge that this is a really good piece of business from Arsenal and that it's a, a real positive sign and a statement signing. Why are our own fans, in some cases, jumping on those narratives? It drives me up the bloody wall. And by the way, a lot of those people are the same people that were losing their minds in January when we decided against signing Alexander Isak, who, by the end of the season had only managed 10 goals and three assists in all competitions for Real Sociedad. So where was that energy about goal record? Where was that energy about a lack of outputs when they wanted to lose their minds about Alexander Isak not being signed and Arsenal refusing essentially to meet Real Sociedad's release clause, which was around about £75 million. Where was that same energy then? Nope, it wasn't there. In fact, those people were telling us, oh, we're idiots, we're useless, look at us. We've got an opportunity to go and sign Alexander Isak for £75 million and we didn't do it. Now, I'll admit, I was okay with the idea of signing Alexander Isak because I thought that he would bring something to the team in terms of all those other things I've mentioned that are outside of just goals. But equally, I'm not sitting here crying about the fact or moaning about the fact or trying to discredit the fact that Arsenal have gone and spent £45 million to nab Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City. How is it that Arsenal fans can look at what we're doing right now and look at the moves that we're trying to make and say that we're not showing ambition or say that we're not moving in the right direction or say that we're not trying to get back to where we want to be? It drives me absolutely bonkers. Why moan before you've been served the main course? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Let's see what happens. Let's see how it goes. And ultimately, we can have our opinions and we can have our views on the transfer window come the end of it. But we'll only really know how successful this transfer window was in nine months' time, in a year's time in a few years' time when we look back at what we were able to achieve or not achieve with this group of players. So let's just uh, let's just enjoy the fact that Arsenal 
are moving like a big club again in the way that we're going about our business, in the way that we've identified very clear targets and are doing our utmost to push those deals through. Let's enjoy that. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on the team getting ready and getting started into preseason in good shape. Now, I know it's a little bit disrupted because there are players that obviously partook in international duty when the season ended. Not ideal, but let's focus on, you know, getting behind the team, supporting the team, going into what's going to be a really, really big season for the Gunners. Just want to bring you guys a quick update as well on uh, Lissandro Martinez. We've talked about him a lot in the last uh, week or so, maybe a little bit longer. We understand uh, or we said yesterday that we'd heard that Arsenal had made a second bid worth 40 million euros plus add-ons. That has since been backed up by the likes of um, The Athletic, uh, Charles Watts. And it's understood that at the time of recording this show, and things can move very, very quickly in this transfer window, but at the time of recording, it's understood that Ajax are yet to respond to that offer. Now, that's interesting because they haven't knocked it back straight away in the way that they knocked back the first offer. So does that mean they're considering it? We've also heard reports that Manchester United are interested in the player. And I hope that they're, they're I don't know what the word is here, that, you know, they're, them sort of sitting on the offer isn't because they're in conversation with Manchester United as well, or they feel that they could get more out of Manchester United, or the player has indicated that he would prefer to go to Manchester United. You know, sources in the Netherlands have, have been pretty big on saying that he'd be happy to join Arsenal. Lissandro Martinez, that is, that he's keen on the move and that this offer is at the very least being considered. That if we have to go that extra mile and we do it, then again, that'll be another sign, won't it? That Arsenal had a, had a plan, identified certain players and are going to do whatever it takes to get those deals over the line. Talked about it a little bit yesterday. Could Lissandro Martinez be coming in primarily to play as a defensive midfielder, it could be possible. He's left-footed as well. So he could potentially play on the left side of that midfield. Is that what Arsenal are looking at? Maybe, maybe. We don't really know, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see. The Rafinha thing, again, you know, we we touched on it a little bit earlier on, but just to kind of reiterate my point around Rafinha is that Arsenal are very much in a position where they want the player. The player is open to the move from what we're being told. He would like to give Barcelona a little bit more time, I think. But Barcelona at the moment are unable to cough up the kind of money that Leeds United are looking for. And so this is Arsenal's opportunity to be decisive, to put the money on the table, to act fast, to act quickly and to get this deal done. Brilliant. If we can do it, it will be fantastic. OK, um, let's take some of your questions, some of your thoughts from the live chat. Start throwing questions in there. Put a little cue at the beginning uh, of the question as well. Just makes it much easier for me to pick them out from the chat box. Also, if you haven't done so already, please don't hesitate to leave a like on the video. There's over 600 of you with me live right now. If you could please help us get that up to at least 300 by the end of the stream, I will be super chuffed. Also, Subscribe to the channel if you are new, because we're closing in on 22,000 subscribers, hoping we can get there in the next few days. 
Right. Let's get some of your questions. Let's get some of your thoughts. Uh, Creambone says, um, Harry, if we get all our transfer targets, whom, in your opinion, will be the most important? In my opinion, Martinez could be the one. I think the Martinez one is very dependent on what role it is that he's tasked with. You know, there's a few scenarios that could play out in which Lissandro Martinez's importance then becomes more significant. So first of all, for example, if Kieran Tierney's out for a period of time and Lissandro Martinez plays left back over a long period of time, then he could be very, very important. If he is to come in as a defensive midfielder and he has a run of games there, therefore taking the shackles off a little bit of Thomas Partey and allowing him to get a little bit further forward and a little bit more involved, he could be really important. He could also be important in the event that we lost the centre-back for a long period of time. He could be important in the absence of Gabriel. So what Lissandro Martinez does is he ticks a lot of boxes. I think his importance, though, next season, if we do get this deal over the line, will be dependent on how things play out. So I, I'm not going to lean on that one straight away. I think Jesus, for me, is the one, right? That's the statement signing. That's the the missing piece to an attack that has significantly improved, built around young players who at certain times were just a little bit short. But in having a top-class striker alongside them, which they haven't had in Alexander Lacazette, to be fair, you know, you'd hope that that would push them on to the next level. I think the Rafinha deal, if we could get that done, would be massively important as well because... He can add that additional quality, that additional experience. You know, he's not 19, 20, he's 25. He's been there, done it. He's had a couple of good, productive seasons in the Premier League. And so if he was to come into the side, um, you would clearly see an upturn there or you'd hope you'd see an upturn there as well. So I think that they all have the potential to be important. And that is what makes what we've done and what we're trying to do so far in this window so exciting, mate. The fact that these players could all come in and play massive, massive parts. Uh, Robert Segal says Martinez could be a new petit. Yeah, I mean, left-footed, uh, very technically gifted. I think, it, it, you know, if he does play in that position, he, he has the potential to really help us out. Again, look, I don't want to sort of insist that he's going to play defensive midfield because I don't know that. But I think the fact that he gives us an option to do that and the fact that he gives us an option to play in multiple positions is a massive part of his appeal to Mikel Arteta. Right, let's keep moving through uh, the chat box. Lots and lots of questions uh, coming through. Um, Ocean says, did you see that Watts, Charles Watts that is, said we're not going for a new centre midfielder if no one else leaves Harry? That only fuels the fire with regards to the Martinez as a midfielder rumours, doesn't it? I guess when you think about it that way. A um, couple of people asking if Rafinha to Arsenal has broken down. Um I'm not aware of that. Uh, I've not heard anything to suggest that is the case. Um, you know, we know that Arsenal are still short of meeting that valuation that Leeds United have put on the table. We knew that a meeting was scheduled to take place this week and we haven't heard anything further on that. So I can't say it's it's broken down. Uh, I don't know if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, Amira says, what are your thoughts on fans spamming announced Jesus, etc., under every Arsenal tweet, even ones about other signings. I understand the excitement, but maybe don't downplay other signings, but instead celebrate them too. Look, I agree with you, mate, but it's just um 
it's just one of those things in it. Like Matt Turner, for example, is, is the player that you're probably referring to. We've seen that Matt Turner um, done an interview yesterday and another couple of tweets and bits and pieces have gone out today from the club's official channels. And as you say, they've been spammed with announced Jesus, announced Jesus. I don't think Matt Turner will, will take that in a way that says, I'm not wanted here. Or I'm not uh, welcome here. I think he understands and recognises uh, you know, the nature of the beast and that Gabriel Jesus is very much a marquee and statement signing for Arsenal this summer. So I think he'll be OK with it. But I get what you're saying. I, I do. Um, John P says, with the possibility of signing Rafinha, do you think we will see Saka move into a number eight position at some point in the season? Remember Gerard out wide and fullback when he started? I mean, personally, and I, and I said this for a while, you know, people kept talking about Saka's versatility at various points last season, but particularly when we were very short at left back, the, the common uh, thing I saw and heard and read in the comments was, why not stick Saka at left wing back for a couple of games to get us through it? And I was very adamant that in my view and in my opinion, Bukayo Saka's best position is absolutely 100% on the right-hand side. Can he do it from the left-hand side? Probably can he do it from a slightly more central role if asked to do so? Yeah, probably. But I'm not going to sort of sit and obsess at this moment in time about what Rafinha coming in, if he does come in, would mean for Bukayo Saka. Because I think there is a, you know, there is a, a world in which the two can coexist. We've got Europa League football. We've got a very condensed season, more so than usual, particularly in certain points because of the mid-season World Cup. So I think when you take all of that into consideration, I think there's plenty of opportunity for both of them to get ample game time. OK, let's see uh, what else uh, we've got in the chat box. A uh, big thank you to uh, Samson John Nicholas, who's uh, very kindly donated to the channel and says, keep up the great work, Harry. Wishes from Vancouver. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really do appreciate your support. Uh, great to see you here. Um, and uh, big shout out to Mustafi's marketing agent, who's also very kindly made a donation uh, to the channel, who says, we're winning the league. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, Camille B says, if we sign our targets, would this be the best window in the Emirates era? I hope as fans, we all finally give Edu, Arteta and the owners some credit for pulling it off. Yeah, I mean, look, they've got to pull it off first. That's the key point here. Um, but yeah, it would certainly be up there. And what would give me more encouragement and more and allow me to put more trust and more faith into the people currently making the decisions more than any individual signing, more than any sort of fee paid for any individual player is the fact that they'd have followed through on what they told us they were going to do and what they told us they were planning from last season. If you remember, Edu talked, didn't he, about the heavy lifting that needed to be done, the clear out, um, you know, bringing in a number of young players who could essentially then form the core of this Arsenal project moving forward, which we've done a lot of last summer. And then he said the next phase would be then to go out into the market and bring in players who are of a slightly higher age profile, who are ready to impact now. And when you think about the players we're talking about, we're talking about Gabriel Jesus, who we're expecting an announcement regarding imminently, 25 years old. He's at a different stage in his career to some of the signings we made last time out. He's been there, done it. He's won it all, barring the Champions League. But that's a City joke for another day. 
You think about Rafinha, 25 years old. Again, another player in that next phase of his career with the experience behind him and in a position now to take the weight on his shoulders and help the team move forward. And the same can be said for Lissandro Martinez and the same can be said for a number of other players that we're being linked with at the moment. So what would give me, as I say, the most encouragement and, and where I think they deserve the most praise is for not getting sucked into the noise, you know, particularly last January, for not getting um, ahead of themselves, for not getting carried away, but for being pragmatic enough and strong-minded enough to stick to a plan that they obviously sat down at one point and thought was the best way for Arsenal Football Club to proceed. Not only sticking to the plan in theory and in essence, but actually being able to carry it out. And that is what would give me the most encouragement if we do manage to get those players in between now and the end of the window. More than any, uh, more than any other, sorry, more than any individual signing, as I say, is the fact that we got told that there was a plan. We kind of got told what the plan was in terms of at least profiles without obviously giving away, uh, you know, more than they should. And then we're seeing the execution of that. That's what would give me the most encouragement and put me feeling positive. Let's pick up a few more. Um, lots of questions coming in uh, about, uh, about the Lissandro Martinez thing. Um, I've talked about that at length. So if you're just joining us, do rewind it. You'll be able to catch that bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to repeat it just because I have spent a fair amount of time on it so far. But let me pick up some other uh, bits and pieces uh, from the chat box. I saw an interesting one from Lynn. How you doing, Lynn? He says, Newcastle are talking to Leeds regarding Rafinha, Harry. I can't see him going there. Look, Newcastle have the money to do that deal. They could probably click their fingers and give, uh, you know, and give Leeds what they want. And it would be a bit of a statement signing for Newcastle when you consider some of the other clubs that are interested in Rafinha, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, we're told. Um, yeah, you know, it would it would show Newcastle to be sort of developing towards becoming a, a powerful force. But if I was a footballer, and obviously I'm not, I'm about five, six stone overweight, <laughs> uh, don't eat anywhere near healthily enough and uh, can't run for more than 10 minutes without getting out of breath. Mate, actually, 10 minutes is a long time. What am I talking about? Five at best. Um, but the point here is that if I were a footballer, I would be I would be reluctant to commit to Newcastle at this point. Not because I don't think they're going places. I think they, you know, given their wealth and if they make the right decisions along the way, they can easily get there. But of course, it is about making those right decisions. And as we've seen in football, there are very few guarantees. I would just argue that Newcastle are not quite at the point now where they're as attractive a proposition as the clubs currently in the top six. Now, if Newcastle go and finish sixth, seventh even this season, then next season they move to that next stage, that next phase. A lot of people were under the illusion that when the Saudi uh, private investment fund took over, that they'd be able to just jump above everybody and, and get to the top instantly. you still got to attract these players. Um, you've still got to, you know, prove that your project is worthwhile joining and that is going to be done gradually and slowly. And I think you get that impression based on the signings that Newcastle have made and the players that they're after. So I don't think that we're in a place just yet where we have to worry about somebody like Rafinha picking Newcastle United over us. But that's just my view. Uh, Mr. Mute said, uh, what got you into supporting Arsenal and what was your first game? Um, 
September 1996 was my first game. Arsenal versus Borussia Mönchengladbach in the old UEFA Cup at the time. What got me into it was my dad. Um, he's a massive Arsenal fan, still is, um, still as crazy as he's always been. And uh, yeah, and I, I didn't really have a choice, but it's I'm glad I I followed that path because um, I've enjoyed, I'm not going to say every step of the way, but you know, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, someone says, I missed the super chat, did I? Uh, let me have a look. I thought I picked up the two super chats. Um, oh, there's one. Is that one? No. Uh, we've got an anniversary from Ika, who's been a member for 17 months. Uh, thank you so much, mate. Um, really, really do appreciate that. I think I picked up the super chats. If I didn't, please let me know if it was your super chat. I missed. Put an exclamation mark at the start of a normal comment just to catch my eye. And I will, uh, I'll make sure that I read that. Uh, okay. Let's uh, let's pick out a couple more and then I'm going to leave it there uh, because, you know, there isn't a massive amount uh, to chat about uh, other than what we've already discussed because of the fact that we're kind of edging closer towards this deal. We'll do another episode when the announcement drops and we'll discuss the interview. We'll discuss the announcement. We'll, we'll go into it in a little bit more detail. And then, as I said, from. Uh, next week, we're going to start doing some different series to keep us going throughout the summer, whilst obviously keeping you across the transfer stuff as well. Uh, I'll take this one from uh, Guna Works, who says, how much can we judge a transfer window before the signings have had a chance to play? I'm personally excited, but one or two flops could completely change our perception of this window. That's what I said earlier on, basically, that you know you can have a preconception of how good this window's been, but you ultimately won't know until a little bit further down the line as to how successful it has been. Um, I'm excited. And if you can't get excited, then what is the point in being in this, right? Like, what is the point in following a football club like Arsenal over land and sea um, if you are not going to enjoy the excitement and the hype that comes with making big money and top quality signings? Uh, let's see uh, what we've got. Hold on a second. Um you're right, mate. I did miss that super chat. Thank you to Mr. Arsenal who dropped it into the Discord server. Let me go back and see if I can find it. Um, here it is. Yeah, sorry. It was in between the other two. I beg your pardon. The chat box is just updating so quickly. I keep missing things. Uh, so, so sorry uh, to my good friend, the Fort Lauderdale Gooner, uh, Craig. Big shout out to all the uh, Fort Lauderdale Gooners in uh, in the States. Uh, big love to all of you. He says, are you watching the Amazon trailer at 11? Well, it's 4 p.m. our time, the Amazon trailer. So it comes out in about 13 minutes. Um, absolutely buzzing to see that. Really, really am. It's just a teaser. And I think we're going to get a full trailer in August from what I read earlier today. And then, of course, we'll get the series, I think, in the autumn. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to that because it's going to be a bit of a taster. I think this is going to be a cracking watch. I know that, you know, people will mock us and and will ultimately take the mick because we didn't qualify for the Champions League and we ultimately missed out on what our goal was by the end of the season. But I think it's going to be really, really interesting to understand a little bit more about the inner workings of Arsenal under Mikel Arteta and Edu. And I'm well aware that a lot of it will be sanitised. I'm well aware of the fact that the club will have had some editorial say on this. And so I'm not going to sit there and, and sort of completely, you know, buy every single thing. 
that they throw at us. But I can't promise I'm not going to fall in love with uh, with the manager and, and Edu and, and all the, the big guys uh, even more moving forward. But let's see. Let's see. But yeah, uh, definitely be watching it. And uh, on the next episode that we do, we'll um, we'll have a little discussion about it for sure. Right. Uh, thank you all so, so much for joining me. There's over 800 of you watching us right now um, in uh, the chat box uh, across the multiple platforms. So please do, if you haven't done so already, hit that like button. I set a target at the start of the show of, what did I say, 300 likes. We've got 200. Let's get there. It doesn't cost you a thing. It's really easy. really helps me. Smash the like button and if you're new, subscribe to the channel. We'll be back very, very soon. Hopefully, the next piece of content we drop will be uh, reacting to the Gabby Jesus announcement. I'll catch you all soon. Take care. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.